Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Flasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News and your podcast co-host. I'm joined by John Santucci, Senior Editorial Producer, who's been covering Donald Trump since the day he went down that escalator. It's going to be a very historic week here in Washington as the House impeachment inquiry goes public. For the first time, these witnesses that have been behind closed door are going to face the cameras and face the American people, and the Democrats are going to try to outline their case and make their case to the American people for impeachment. But before we get to that, we actually have the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. And I first met Asa Hutchinson when he was a congressman from Arkansas on the House Judiciary Committee. And he was a House manager during the impeachment of Bill Clinton. And what the House manager did back then, they were the ones, they were the prosecutors. They were the ones that presented the case before the Senate and actually made their case for impeachment. So he has a unique perspective on this. Governor, before we begin, I'm going to play a tape of something you said back 20 years ago about the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Okay, I'm Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas member of the House Judiciary Committee. This is certainly a difficult time for everyone in our nation. It is particularly a difficult time for those on Capitol Hill. And because of the difficult nature of what we face, it's important for the shrill voices to end so that we can do our constitutional duty. This is about the Constitution. Uh, This is about the rule of law and obedience to the law. I mentioned that I'm from Arkansas, and it's particularly important for me being from Arkansas as well as being an American, that this process be conducted in a fair manner, in a bipartisan manner, and in a manner that can gain the support of the American people. I believe we had a good start to that process. That has been my guiding light. If you look back and put this in perspective, the leadership of both houses met both Minority Leader Dick Gephardt and the Speaker Gingrich and other members of the leadership. They met and they came out with a very positive statement that we're going to work together on this. And I believe that has been the case. They met together then and then we proceeded to the House floor with a resolution that would govern the handling of the materials received from the Independent Council. And that resolution that was passed and is very important that was passed by a majority of both parties. All right, Governor, when, when we hear that, what are your reflections of what you said then and how it compares to what we're seeing now with this partisan shrill going on today? Well, those are good words uh, for 20 years ago, and it was, those are good words for today. Uh, I think it uh, outlined uh, the desire that you have a bipartisan process, which you don't see uh, today. Uh, you see uh, total divide even on the process, and that's probably the first step to gaining public support uh, and the credibility of what you're uh, trying to accomplish, which is simply following the Constitution. Uh, so I think those are some wise words 20 years ago. Uh, I hope that they can be uh, adhered to today and that we can uh, uh, reduce their shrillness, but I'm not very hopeful. If you were advising, though, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, what would you tell them to do? Well, uh, of course, I would not do that, nor would I be invited to do that. But what uh, we know from history is that you cannot uh, impeach a sitting president without the support of the American public. 
You cannot gain the support of the American public unless they're convinced of the fairness of the process that you're proceeding by. And then secondly, you're not going to gain the uh, confidence of the American public without having public testimony. Now, they're moving into that phase, but you've got to keep those two things in mind that uh, nothing, it, it, nothing can be accomplished, nothing can be done without the support of the American public. And the first way that you start is by showing it's a fair process, and that should be the guiding light as you go into the public hearings. But, you know, the difference of today versus 20 years ago when you guys went forward with the impeachment of President Clinton, his popularity was soaring. He had, I think, a 70% approval rating around the country. Today, it appears that, you know, Donald Trump's popularity, especially, or the support for impeachment popularity is only in the 40%. And recent polls put the American people at almost 50% saying they support the inquiry. Does that make it difficult for the Republicans? Uh, it does. I mean, it's all about uh, the public uh, attitude toward it. Uh, I think it puts the Republicans in a precarious position uh, because as you go into the public hearings, uh, it's not going to be enough to attack the process. I think you also have to address uh, the substance of the charges. And you don't want to spend all of your time uh, just uh, creating a atmosphere that uh, this is unfair. Uh, for example, I think as you go into the public hearing, there's one fundamental question. You know, why was there a delay in getting the funds for Ukraine? Well, the natural response is there's a national security interest and there was corruption in Ukraine that the president wanted to address. Well, you can call witnesses on that substantive point and where you're treating the process seriously, the allegations seriously, you can attack the process, but you also have to get in there and address the substantive questions that the American people will be thinking about. But when you look at that call itself of the president, how do you see that call? Well, it's an unwise call. Uh, you know, you should not, the president should not be uh, addressing uh, the political atmosphere in the United States of America or a political opponent in a call with a foreign leader. Uh, but, you know, substantively, you've got to go deeper than that. Uh, there was corruption in Ukraine. It is a legitimate issue for the United States to be concerned about if there's corruption there. And so uh, while it might not have been uh, appropriately expressed, it might have been a bad call, there is still a significant question as to whether uh, the funds to Ukraine that are important for national uh, security issues, whether there was an overriding concern about corruption, uh, was that uh, being raised by the Department of Justice, by the CIA? Those are fact questions that can be addressed. So my reaction is very negative toward the call, but that doesn't mean that a president ought to be impeached. It doesn't mean he ought to be removed from office. I think there are some very deep constitutional questions that uh, need to be probed. Hey, Governor, it's John Santucci in Washington. Uh, I just want to take you back a little bit now uh, to the process of this, because this is obviously very different um, than what you and your colleagues dealt with during the Clinton impeachment hearings, uh, in that, uh, you know, you have the House uh, Intel Committee that is leading uh, the public hearings of these key individuals that they have identified. Um, but when this eventually goes to the House Judiciary Committee and Jerry Nadler's committee, that was obviously the committee that you sat on, uh, sir, during the 
Clinton hearings. Walk us through um, what the American people need to be watching for in those proceedings, because obviously that is the committee, as you well know, that will draw up the articles of impeachment if we get there. Uh, that's correct. And, and the first point is that it's really hard to make uh, comparisons to uh, the uh, impeachment process 20 years ago because it started differently uh, with the uh, Star Report. It started with a, a vote of the House to formally refer it to Judiciary Committee for an impeachment inquiry. So it's very different today. But you're right. Ultimately, uh, if, uh, if it is referred to Judiciary Committee, the first thing they have to do is to draw up articles of impeachment uh, they have to decide whether they're going to uh, conduct their own separate inquiry and hearing or whether they're just going to receive the report from the Intelligence Committee and the public hearings there. I think the other thing to watch for is what kind of defense uh, will the White House present. Uh, obviously, that's not something you want to ignore. You need to have defense counsel in there. You have to be engaged in the presentation of witnesses or summaries to the uh, House Judiciary Committee. So this we're, we're getting uh, ready for a very long process. You've got a lot of witnesses before the Intelligence Committee, and then uh, you could have a long uh, process before the House Judiciary Committee as well. And how does that process work as far as deciding um, what articles um, uh, would qualify in their eyes um, for impeachment? Because right now our reporting suggests that Democrats are considering uh, possibly as many as three articles of impeachment uh, against the president. A lot of that uh, negotiation, if you will, uh, those are things the American people may not see, right? Well, they won't see the uh, negotiations behind the closed door, uh, but uh, I think it's actually uh, premature to know uh, how they will address that, uh, you know, whether there's uh, any uh, obstruction that uh, may be articulated in an article or whether there is, uh, uh, is simply the uh, telephone call in and of itself and the concern about uh, misusing the powers of the presidency. Let me make it clear that what I have seen yet is a very troublesome telephone call, but I have not seen anything yet that would uh, lead me to believe you should remove a president from office. Well, Governor, let me just ask you this. Is it something that leads you to believe that perhaps a censure vote is more appropriate? Again, that that is not even a part of the equation right now. Uh, You've got a White House that is not seeing that as a part of the discussion. Uh, and, you know, my position 20 years ago was that we looked at a potential censure uh, possibility, and the conclusion was that the Constitution gives the House of Representatives uh, one choice, and that is uh, impeachment is their only remedy uh, versus some other process such as censure or fines uh, or rebukes. Uh, And so I don't see that will be a a serious part of the discussion. But, Governor, also, when you see the White House and maybe even the president's son attack the whistleblower, you've been in law enforcement, you were a U.S. attorney, etc. Are you troubled by that, attacking this whistleblower and wanting to know the identity? Well, there's some statutory protections for uh, whistleblowers. uh, But anybody who tries to take down the president of the United States, should know that uh, that's not going to be a private matter. 
they were relating. The whistleblower was relating things that had been reported to them. Uh, I don't see how uh, that can be uh, ultimately protected in the end. I think that if if they move forward with uh, uh, an impeachment process, uh, the American public, in a sense of fairness, will want to say we ought to hear from the whistleblower. We ought to be able to weigh the credibility of these witnesses ourselves. Isn't the whistleblower kind of pointless now because we have firsthand witnesses who are going to be testifying who are actually on the call and he or she was a secondhand witness? I agree with that. I agree with that. But I do think that uh, you know, the motivation uh, does weigh in here in terms of credibility. Uh, you have any witness uh, before a jury, and it's appropriate cross-examination to go after their motive. And, uh, and this all started with the whistleblower. And so, uh, again, uh, while uh, all of that testimony can be covered by someone else who saw it firsthand, uh, there still is some relevance in the overall picture as to motivation, whether it's politically motivated or not. And so I think the American public, uh, you know, you can you can uh, get by perhaps with not doing it. But I think that the American public will want to see that and will demand it. And, Governor, if you had to offer advice to your Republican colleagues, lessons learned, uh, things that you're watching right now uh, for them to do and uh, maybe some triple wires they should avoid, what would you be telling them? You've got to uh, keep the American public with you. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and as you go into public hearings, I think you can concentrate on the political unfairness of it, but you also have to look at the substance of it and uh, not use all of the witnesses simply to uh, attack the process, uh, to attack motivation. I think you've got to uh, bring witnesses uh, in there for the public to see that will put this in context of national security, uh, will uh, present a broader look at the uh, allegations that are being made. All right. Well, Governor, thank you so much for your time. It was great insight. Good to be with you today. Thanks for uh, talking to me today. Thanks, Governor. It's going to be a historic week. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by our Capitol Hill correspondent, Mary Bruce, who's going to help us break down what we're going to see this week. Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Chris Blaster, your co-host, joined by John Santucci. So, John, you know, I was struck that Governor Hutchinson was saying kind of the same thing now that Nikki Haley is saying. And I think I think that's where a lot of these Republicans are going to end up going, that the call was bad, but it's not impeachable. Yeah, and that's kind of what Mac Thornberry, who's obviously a, a current Republican in Congress, told Martha Raddatz on this week's Sunday, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I do think Republicans um, are starting to recognize that they've got to, you know, call a spade a spade in their eyes. It, it's interesting, though, uh, none have thus far... Um, gone uh, a step further um, to actually say that impeachment here is necessary. It almost feels like, you know, Mitt Romney was the first one uh, to come out and condemn uh, that call uh, a little over two months now, it feels like, um, but just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and now, obviously, others are doing that leading up to what will be uh, the first time. A lot of the American public is going to digest um, what has happened with these public hearings starting later this week. But you wonder, even when we asked, uh, I think you actually asked uh, uh, Asa Hutchinson about censure as an option, 
and he didn't seem to want to go there. Yeah, it was interesting, and I thought he would have, um, only because, you know, as, as you know better than me, um, that was obviously something Democrats threw out there as an idea uh, instead of impeachment against Bill Clinton uh, back in the late 90s. You know, if Republicans uh, recognize that there's something wrong here, um, do they not do anything then? I mean, that that's sort of what his answer suggested to me. Um, you know, just reading the papers uh, this weekend, as I'm sure you did, uh, censure is something that is being talked about. Um, we haven't really heard it from members yet. Um, but if you're finding yourself that you are a member um, of Congress, if you find yourself in a boat like Nikki Haley, uh, like Asa Hutchinson, is that a route for you to go? Um, I was actually surprised he didn't um, agree with that idea at this point in time. Well, let's talk about this week. And as the public hearings get underway, we want to bring in our very own congressional correspondent, Mary Bruce, to talk to us about what to look out for, including whether Democrats will try to enforce their subpoenas of one of the key witnesses in this whole case, Rudy Giuliani. So, Mary, you know, John and I just spoke to uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson, who was the House manager during the Clinton impeachment. However, he and as Nikki Haley and some other Republicans now seem to be making an argument that I think we're going to see a lot of Republicans start to do, that they concede that the call was wrong, but it it's not impeachable. Are you getting that sense on Capitol Hill that Republicans may try to make that their argument? Absolutely. I mean, we are already seeing a lot of shifting responses from Republicans as they try to navigate how to defend the president, but also possibly admit that they're not 100 percent supportive of his actions. And we have heard from a, a growing number, not not a big number, but still, you know, a handful who will now say that that what the president did on that phone call was inappropriate, but not impeachable. And the president is clearly hearing this as well because we've seen him out there tweeting, urging Republicans. He says, don't fall for that. He, you know, the president clearly not on board with that defense. He says and continues to insist nothing was wrong whatsoever. He's urging Republicans not to go down this line of potential defense. But it is out there and it, and it does seem to be growing. I, I think it's one of the most interesting things to watch over the next few days and weeks is how do Republicans try to walk that fine line, especially as they are presented um, very clearly with, with, with Democrats trying to outline what they feel is the president's abuse of power. He also, though, brought up a, a warning to Republicans as well. He said, you guys better not just make the arguments uh, on process, that if you're going to defend him, you've got to do it on substance which is kind of a tricky ground for some of them, don't you think? Well, and that's been the problem all along, right? You've had Republicans out here railing against the process, saying that it's been, you know, behind closed doors, that there hasn't been enough due process afforded to the president. They've been trying in many ways, right, intentionally and with some success to, to, to muddy up this debate by focusing on the process and not the substance. That argument only lasts so long. And now, especially that it is uh, in this new public phase, we are having these open hearings. This is a lot of what Republicans had been asking for in theory all along. Now, they will say it's too little too late at this point, but Republicans are going to have to respond on the substance. The president is demanding that they do that, that they back him up on the substance. It puts Republicans in a tricky position. Now, I've asked many Republicans who have actually been in the closed door depositions, you know, why why aren't more Republicans coming out here and defending the president on the substance? And they will insist, well, that's just because they don't know, the, know all the facts yet, especially in the Senate. They haven't actually heard from witnesses themselves. Uh, many of the president's top defenders insist you will see more and more Republicans defending the president on the actual substance once they themselves are able to have a, a chance to hear from some of these witnesses directly. We'll wait and see. You know, Mary, you, you and I were talking earlier, and, um, you know, one of the things we're seeing 
seeing uh, over at the White House is obviously the struggle um, for a team over there to come together to uh, launch a defense um, of the president. This is obviously in addition to uh, Democrats having their opportunity to present the case. It does afford uh, an opportunity for um, Republicans and the White House to launch a defense. But there's obviously an issue here because the White House does not have that team in place. Yeah, I I think you've seen Many of the president's even closest allies, we were talking earlier, we've heard Lindsey Graham saying in recent weeks that that they want the the White House to beef up their team. Uh, They want the president to beef up his defense. Uh, And part of that is because Republicans are looking, you know, for something to follow here. What is the lead? You know, how how should they be responding uh, and defending the president? They're looking to the White House uh, for some guidance. Now the president, we know, is beefing up his team. He's adding people to it who he trusts and who he feels uh, can defend him. The issue is, you know, what are Republicans going to do? What's their play here? And we have seen, based solely off of their, um, you know, witness wish list, you know, the Republican strategy here. They want to broaden out the scope of these hearings. They want to hear from Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. They want to hear from the anonymous whistleblower who, who sparked this impeachment inquiry. While Democrats want to focus solely on the president's actions related to Ukraine, Republicans want to broaden this out uh, and look at some of the the initial issues that that. that sparked some of this pressure on Ukraine. Um, Democrats are not going to buy that. Mary, and remember, they have that, control over the witnesses. Mary, do you think that uh, Adam Schiff gives the Republicans anything on their witness list? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think I think the House Judiciary Committee is where you're more likely, obviously, to see Republicans uh, have a chance to bring forth their witnesses. It's where you're going to see the, the, the president's due process come into play. Schiff, I think, is laser focused on his to-do list. I am not certain that he is going to give Republicans what they want here. But, Mary, I guess, you know, just the process of this, right? I mean, can you give us the 30-second version of what we need to be watching for right now? Because a lot of people are tuning in here mm-hmm. for the first time. So first up here, this ball is with the House Intel Committee. Begins with the House Intelligence Committee. This is a reset, a a chance to make the public case for all of these closed-door depositions that they've been doing. Democrats have to sell this here, and they are going to start with who they feel is their strongest witness. That's Bill Taylor. He's the uh, top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine, and he is the one who, in his explosive closed-door testimony, uh, said that there was a direct link between the president and this pressure campaign. He's the one who said that he thought there was, quote, a clear understanding that Ukraine had to agree to investigate the president's political rivals or else they would not be receiving that $400 million in military aid. They're going to go through this week with with officials who they feel best outline the case against the president and this sort of rogue uh, diplomatic channel that was being run by his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. They're starting with career diplomats, people who they think it will be hard for the president to attack personally. Um and they're going to tick through their case. Now, Now, part of what will be interesting is the format of this is a little bit different than, than usual hearings. You're going to see lengthier opening statements, lengthier questioning from each side. So you're not just ping-ponging back and forth between the two sides. They think that Democrats feel that affords them the best chance to make their clearest case possible. But then what happens after that, though, Mary? Don't they need – I mean, you mentioned him right there. And I've been saying all along that the key person in this whole drama is Rudy Giuliani. And aren't we going to have to hear from him? Aren't the American people going to have to hear from him? No. <laughs> no, because uh, a lot of Democrats feel that I'm Rudy- actually stunned to hear you say that. 
Well, a lot of uh, Democrats certainly think that Rudy Giuliani. I mean, you all have seen his interviews. Uh, we've done got, a few. Of you've them. Do, we've done we've done a couple of them, and, and they're hard because Rudy Giuliani uh, is known to play sometimes fast and loose with the facts. Uh, he, Democrats feel that it is stronger to have other witnesses uh, speak about the role that Rudy Giuliani was playing than necessarily to hear from Rudy Giuliani himself, because they are fearful that with Rudy, you're just going to get a lot of spin. And what they're trying to get to is the bottom of what were the impacts of his actions, what were the intentions here. And for that, they don't know if they are well served in having Giuliani come up himself. And how long do you think, what's the timetable still of everything from this uh, uh, Intelligence Committee hearings to then the Judiciary Committee and then a vote? What, this is a what blasto are we impeachment at? pop quiz. I would say, look, Democrats want to move quickly here. We've, we've known that all along. They know that they have a short amount of time here to try and get this done. I think we are still on track for the House to move to impeach, and I think they will likely uh, do that before Christmas. So, you know, we're, we're talking just a couple weeks here. And then it will move over to the Senate for the trial because, of course, the House impeaches. The Senate is actual conviction. Now, the Senate is we know they're going to take this up. Um, there are, you know, some, some we know that what that looks like in the rules of the Senate. You are looking at a trial being held every single day, six days a week, starting at one o'clock. Um, but that is also likely to move quickly as well. And Senate Republicans, you know, they have a lot of impetus to move quickly, too. Um, but it is we are going to see a trial. I just don't think that trial is going to play out for weeks and weeks and weeks. So if you add that all up, you look back at your calendar. I think this could be wrapped up uh, mid-January. We'll hold you to it. Don't. Please don't. That's (laughs) my guess right now. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us today, and thank you to our listeners. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave comments and a rating. We welcome your feedback. Thanks to our producers, Trevor Hastings, Emily Wachowski, Catherine McQuaid, and Caitlin Fulmer. For John Santucci and myself, thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next week for another episode of The Investigation. 